Hey everyone, I need your attention for one minute. This is not one of those ads. This is something that has changed my entire life. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that this is all about personal development as the foundation for everything good in your life. And this podcast is now sponsored by Growth Day, which is the world's first all-in-one personal development app. I mean, oh my gosh, can you imagine having everything all in one place that you need to create the life that you want? Now you can. So if you've been struggling with your motivation, your mood, your productivity, or your purpose, you have to check this out. Growth Day helps you consciously change your life and achieve your potential. It has all the self-improvement tools, motivational classes, and life coaching all in one place. So many of us want to improve our lives, but the question is how? Where do we start? What do we use? How do you get unstuck? How do you make self-improvement stick? Well, research shows how. It's when you consistently journal, track your habits, set goals, learn from empowering mentors, and challenge yourself that you'll be happier, healthier, and more successful. But let me ask you something. Where do you actually do all of your personal development work? I have to tell you that over 300,000 people use Growth Day for a reason. It works. It's the world's number one software for self-improvement. Growth Day has an amazing mindset journal that I absolutely love, a habit tracker, and a goal-setting system. In fact, I bet if you went to my stories this week, you probably saw me using the journaling app and telling you to do it too, because it's the first time that journaling has ever actually stuck consistently in my life because of this app. And best of all, Growth Day has live inspirational classes every single week from the world's top motivational speakers and life coaches. These are people who have impacted my life in huge ways. These are mentors who I already knew and loved. In fact, this is something that's so huge for me, you guys. I personally teach a class in Growth Day every single month, and it is one of the most fun things that I get to do, and I'd love to see you there. These classes will truly shift your life. There's always something new that you will learn. So join me in 300,000 Achievers Growing Our Lives with actual real intention. Visit growthday.com slash Lori for a free trial. Yes, you can try this for free. So go to growthday.com slash Lori and go live your best life. You guys, that's growthday.com forward slash Lori. And I can't wait to see you there. Hi, everyone. I'm so happy you've tuned into the show. Whether you have listened before or you're brand new, I'm so grateful for you. You have no idea. And this episode is brought to you by my Become Aligned course. And podcasts are amazing. And I know that you know that because you guys all listen to them. And I do too. And sometimes they are not necessarily enough because while we're listening, sometimes we're passively listening and we're not actively listening. So the reason that Chris and I, Chris is my husband, the reason we've created this course is because we get asked so many questions outside of the podcast on how we started living the life that we live now, a life of happiness, of abundance, of really understanding that life is always full of problems every single day, but there's always a solution. And how do we shift back into a mindset that's going to keep us happy, keep us together, keep us successful, and keep us in thriving relationships. And that is what 
our Become Aligned course is about. Because we cover everything from mindset to the rituals that we do every single day. We talk about different energy sources that's really going to provide you with lasting energy. We talk about your purpose and what that actually means, what it is, and how it's ever-changing. We're going to tap into your beliefs. We're going to show you how to build a tribe to support where you're going. And we're definitely going to talk about wealth, abundance, money, all of the good things and how to sustain all of this. Because while, like I said, podcasts are absolutely awesome, you don't necessarily sit down and actually write out a plan for yourself. Because as much as I can sit here and tell you on the podcast what we do and how much, how many different people that I can interview, it's important that you actually learn how to apply these things in your own life. So if you've been listening for a while and you are ready to go deep and you really want to get some direct training and be able to dive into your life and yourself and your mindset, this is the course for you. I don't know about you, but I absolutely have points in my life where I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. Sometimes I hit walls where I don't necessarily feel happy anymore and I haven't sat with myself long enough. I haven't really let myself think. I haven't written out how I actually feel. And so many people who took this course said that it was completely life-changing and they revealed a lot of things about themselves, about them li- about their lives, about their relationships that they weren't really looking at or they were avoiding. And it's about having those tough conversations, not only with other people, but really with yourself and knowing that you have the tools and the access to the tools. And we're going to teach you all of the tools that you need, not only to move through things, but to actually thrive on the other side. So you guys, I would love for you to join the Aligned community. It's such a special group of human beings and you get lifetime access. This is nine different modules where you're going to be working through each area of your life at your own pace. So you might need something on abundance. You might need more on you know money. You might need more on your purpose, on your tribe. This is where you can really go deep on exactly what you need and make sure that you're not missing any of your blind spots if you are feeling stuck or if you are wondering how everyone is doing it and how they're managing it all. This is a truly honest course about how to have a thriving life and manage and deal with all of the different problems that do come up in your life and understand that not everyone is going to support you and not everyone is for you and you are not for everyone. And that's okay. It's finding your people. It's forgiving yourself. It's creating a life of abundance and choosing your own purpose and your happiness. So you guys, you can go to becomealigned.com. That's becomealigned.com. And you guys know that because you're listeners, I'm going to give you an awesome deal and an awesome discount. And I cannot wait to see you in that community. And also let me know if you join because it is such an awesome, awesome uh, community. And also I'm really proud of this course. Chris and I poured our heart and our soul into this. Everything that we've done, everything that we've learned, we've invested so so much into ourselves that this is everything that we have applied in our lives. And if you want to know how we've done it, we put it all on the table. We've put it all in this course. So if you want to know, go check it out at becomealigned.com. So let's get into the show. You will be surprised 
by how capable you are. Mm. But you'll never know until you give yourself permission to try. Welcome to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. I'm Lori Harder, founder of The Bliss Project, three-time fitness world champion, fitness expert, and cover model turned self-love junkie, lifestyle entrepreneur, and author. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought that will help you bust through your fears, connect to your soul, and get focused and clear so you can elevate your life, business, and relationships. We don't wait until we're ready for someone to tell us we're good enough. We take what we want and we anoint ourselves. Get ready to earn, own, and unapologetically rock your happiness every single day. Are you with me? Here we go. Welcome back to the show. As always, thank you so much for listening. Here is your reminder that if you are or going to be, if you know you are a speaker, teacher, leader, facilitator, someone who wants to run their own small events, huge events, masterminds, workshops, whatever that is, this is your year to do it. There has never been anything like this where we are taking you through a speaker's boot camp. You become the event, you become the teacher, you become the facilitator, and we're also teaching marketing and how to run and host profitable events. So it is both becoming a confident speaker and also learning how to run the workshops and make them profitable, profitable workshops and events. And I will tell you from all of my experience in running events, if I would have had this in the beginning of my career, I would have absolutely saved money on my first event enough to pay for this five-day in-person certification program. You guys have to go check it out before the price increases in a few weeks. Eventluv.com. And today, my guest is someone that has been on the podcast before. And I absolutely loved every second of this conversation. He is a nationally best-selling business author, under 30. And he is the author of The Third Door, the wild quest to uncover how the world's most successful people launched their careers. You guys, he came on the show already talking about The Third Door. And now this is all about his life and what has happened after being in these rooms with people talking all about how people have launched their careers and really getting into the meat of what's going on in his world right now, how he's overcome overcoming different issues of trying to get your message out and also just a lot of stuff that can come up within our own families when we end up going on these paths of doing really big things in the world. He is an acclaimed keynote speaker. He's presented the third door framework to business conferences, corporate leadership team, corporate leadership teams around the world including Apple, Google, Nike, IBM, Snapchat, Salesforce, and Disney. So you guys, let's jump right into this interview. Alex, I'm so excited to have you back on the show. Thank I you am for coming on. Very, very excited. Thank you. So it's so crazy how fast time goes. And also you've been on like the ride of your life after your book. You guys, <laughs> if you don't know, Alex was on the show previously. I will link up his previous podcast, but he is the author of The Third Door. And you've kind of been like doing this nonstop 
tour a little bit with your book. <laughs> I want to know. So here's what I want to know. As a, as a fellow author, I love hearing about the ride because literally your life changes when you put out a book. First of yeah. all, the journey to even put a book out is absolutely insane. And then I think the journey just begins after you realize like, wow, now I have to be the person typically to get behind this and really get this message out in the world. Yeah. So would you kind of just share a little bit of the book is out. Now, what do I do? Now what? Like, what does this look like for you? I think what's been so surprising, and I feel like you could probably relate to this, is being an author is a very weird thing in the year like 2019 because it's really like five jobs in one. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, when you first of all, like when you're pitching the book, that's its own job, like creating the book proposal and the marketing plan. And like you're sort of you become an agent. Mm-hmm. And then there's like the next process, which is like writing the book. And if your book requires research, you become like a detective. So that's like a whole nother job where you like hold up in like a little room, you know, writing by yourself. And then is a whole nother part where you're like editing and you're taking in all these other people's feedbacks, which is a completely different skill set. Mm-hmm. And then comes marketing before the book's out. Like I'm going through like PTSD, like to tell me. The hard part is the shifting. And again, I don't want to make a joke about PTSD, but it was, it does still feel overwhelming remembering. The hard part for me was the switching of the gears mm-hmm. where you're literally one day editing the page number font. And then the next day you're in a coffee shop outlining the next, you know, six months of marketing. Mm-hmm. And to, there's some people who give their entire lives and careers to these professions. Mm-hmm. You know, page designers, cover designers, marketers, like people give their whole lives to this. But if you're like an author in 2019 and you want to launch a book, you're sort of doing all of these very serious professions the best you possibly can for these sprints. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once it comes out, then it's a completely different form of marketing. Because then you're now responding to what's already working Mm -hmm. and you're riding. It's more like surfing where, okay, this wave is getting bigger. Let's ride this one. And then let's cut across here. Let's do this. It's You're much more going with gravity, but you're still going. It's Mm -hmm. not like you're just sitting back. Mm. You know what I love what you've done is that you have not kind of like sat back or given up on your book. You've been like, nope, we're going back at it. So tell me a little bit about that because I honestly think kind of just what you were talking about too just reminds me so much of being an entrepreneur. Like one day you are creating content. The next day you are like trying to figure out how in the world uh, to get it seen on social media or doing an ad or it's just absolutely insane. So as far as, you know, reigniting, it's like reigniting the book even when you feel like, okay, has this slowed down? Are people liking it? Let's talk about making sure you kept the momentum going. It's really funny. Like I didn't even, he didn't even say this to me, so I won't say who said this, but a very famous podcaster was talking to one of my best friends and he said, uh, yeah, Alex is a very unusual person. Normally like people call my podcast, you know, they're pitching their book and you know, they might really go hard for a month. And really push it. And some authors who are like really extreme, you know, like Tim Ferriss might go like three months pushing his book. And then he's like, Alex is on month 15. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think he was so saying it as like a joke. And I took it as like a giant compliment. Mm-hmm. Of, I just give a shit in a really weird, but to me, it just feels fulfilling and beautiful way of like, 
The thing about the third door is when I started writing this at age 18, it was a seven-year journey just to make mm, the book. Yeah. And to me, when the book was out, it felt like that was only the first half of the process. Yep. Because there's this quote that I love that says, a book without a reader is like, is just, you know, paper with ink blots mm. on it. You know, the reader actually makes it a book. Yeah. And the whole reason I went on this journey is I had this belief that if all these people came together, you know, not for press, not for, you know, promoting anything, but really to share their best wisdom with the next generation, Mm -hmm. people can do so much more. Mm. And I guess if someone hasn't listened to the first episode, this brief context of this is I spent the past seven years tracking down the world's most successful people, figuring out when they were just starting, how they broke through. Mm -hmm. So... For business, I spoke to Bill Gates, Music Lady Gaga, Science Jane Goodall, Maya Angelou, Jessica Alba, Quincy Jones, Larry King. And what I learned is that every single one of these people treated life and business and success the exact same way. Mm. And the analogy that came to me is that it's sort of like getting into a nightclub. There's, you know, you know this part, there's always three ways in. Mm -hmm. So there's the first door, the main entrance where the line curves around the block where 99% of people wait around hoping to get it. Mm-hmm. That's the first door. And then there's the second door, the VIP entrance, where the billionaires and celebrities go through. And for some reason, school and society have this way of making us feel like those are the only two ways in. You either wait your turn or you're born into it. Mm-hmm. But what I learned, and what you know better than anyone, is that there's always, always the third door. Always. Where you jump out of line, run down the alley, bang on the door a hundred times, crack open <laughs> the window, go through the kitchen. There's always a way in. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if that's how Bill Gates sold his first piece of software or how Lady Gaga got her first record deal. They all took the third door. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I love that theory because there is, uh, there's always a way. There is always a way, but through your book, you really show that there's always a way. We can say it all day long and you can try to tell people what your journey is, but I think that you just really, really like painted that picture so many different times <laughs> in your book. And and you know what I love is like, even just you sharing, you guys, if you're not even thinking of writing a book or you have like no desire to do any of what we were just talking about, the parallels that you can draw through everything are like all yeah. the same. I always think about that. Like, do you remember those old projectors in school? Like you would just lay like the little clear plastic. Thing yes, yes, yes. The overhead projector. Yes. I just always and they would, like, feel... write the math problems on yes, it. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> it's really funny now that we wow, think about that. Wow, I haven't that. thought of that in so long. I know, but I always think about that with life analogies because like mm-hmm. I feel like there's a success formula and you can take that clear sheet and lay it over every single path because it's like the same way that you would promote a book and not give up and keep going back is the same way that you promote a, a business idea and the same way that you have to pivot and like be all of these different yeah. things. And like, you know, you go through feeling like you're absolutely in hell over this. It's never going to see the light of day. Like you, you, it's a, it's a journey. It's like the same journey. And I feel like once you've done it once, you'll just keep doing it again and again and again, and you learn patience. And I always think of this with fitness because I'm so glad I started like learning with that as my foundation because I learned mm. really quickly that you'll work for years and not see the result until like two years later. Like, oh, I finally put on some right. muscle and my body changed. Okay, finally. Um, and I think that's so important. So for you, you've been doing this for, okay, sounded like 15 months now or maybe longer. Or is the it book longer? Came out 15 months ago, yeah. Okay. So 
what I'm like is, treating it like a child. Like she's 15 months old. She's 15 <laughs> months old now. She's so cute. Um, she's walking. No, she's crawling. Um, so what is one of the biggest lessons that you've extracted from just pushing something out into the world that has been such a, a labor of love? Like just something that's really coming through for you right now. I know there's a million different lessons, but just something, I know you just came back from Japan. Maybe you can share a little bit of that. Yeah, I would say some of the biggest lessons have been obviously the things that have surprised me the most. So when the book first came out in the US last year, it became a national bestseller. So I was very excited about that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's obviously, you know, you went through it too. There's a natural momentum that happens, you know, the months after a book launch. And then what happens, there's also a natural slowdown because mm-hmm. if anything, what goes up comes down. So if it blows up, you know, it's going to come back down to whatever like the normal rate is. And it made sense to me why... I remember before my book came out, I studied a lot of other best-selling authors of how their launches went. Mm. And it, like, I couldn't understand why most authors who I was studying how their you know, careers unfolded why at month three, they all started writing their next book they like, mm. didn't, or like their next product or their next... I was like, why is it always at month three? And then you start doing it and you feel the physical demand uh-huh. and the physical burnout by month two and a half. You're like, get me the fuck off this ride. Yep. You know, <laughs> even though this was my dream, like I'm good. Like, mm-hmm. I, And this is the thing too. You feel the... After the first month, the level of fulfillment was so deep. I remember telling one of my best friends, his name is Max. I said, if I died right now, I would feel like I'm good. Mm. Like, I did what I was you know, supposed to do, which by the way is like, I'm very uh, aware of how rare of a feeling that is. So I'm yeah. very grateful for that. What was that? What brought that though? Because it's not just right. Some people do not feel that way. So was it being mm -hmm. in the rooms with people? Was it, were you really like, was the best part for you making sure that you got present and listened to the stories that were coming from it? Or what was that? I'm weird in the sense that like, if I'm like in the room at a book signing with someone and someone gives me a compliment, there's Uh a part of me that's like, are they saying that? Cause I'm right in front of them. You know, for me, it was going online and whether it's on Amazon or Twitter or Instagram and just sort of like stalking mm-hmm. the book and like seeing what people, you know, there's a difference between someone doing like at Alex Matt on Twitter versus just like writing about the book. Yes. I always rather when someone, obviously I love when people tag me, but I, I find more fulfillment when people don't know I'm watching what they're writing about. Yeah. And I, yeah, I'll go on Twitter and on Instagram and on Amazon and read people's comments that they didn't send to me. Mm. And there were just a lot of young people writing about how it changed their life. And I was that person. I'm not some like, you know, successful CEO that's like writing this book about, you know, all my success. I wrote this book out of my own pain. Mm. I was 18 years old. I was confused. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I didn't know how these people who I looked up to, how they did it. And I had this dream of writing this book to help me and my friends deal with all the issues we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. So seeing other people who are going through the same challenges as us mm-hmm. find that fulfillment. And then on top of that, having like 70-year-old CEOs of like billion-dollar public companies say it changed their life. I was like, this is... And I think that's probably been the biggest surprise. 
when you have a dream and you fight and fight and fight for years to go for it, and then when it starts surpassing what you envisioned, mm-hmm. when it starts having a life of its own is really when you like sit back and you're just like sort of speechless. So what if it didn't, had you gone to that place where you were just like, okay, what if this doesn't do what I want it to do? And and how did you manage the, your mindset around that? Mm, look, there's definitely been points. And I, I actually am happy you asked that because it's very easy to only talk about like the positive stuff. Mm-hmm. There have been a lot of nights of like, this sucks. Mm. And I, there's one reason why I get to that point and I'm trying to stop it. It's just a habit of mine. I'm a human being. I'm at work in progress. It is always when I'm on Instagram or on Twitter (laughs) and I see another author who's doing better. I literally will, first of all, God bless them. They're doing great. They're making the world a better place. And they've been at it for like 10 years (laughs) and I'm on like month three. And all of a sudden I go into this spiral. I call it like a comparison spiral and I'm like obsessive compulsive when it comes to like, it's not, it's probably the habit that I want to stop the most or at least bring the most aware awareness to. Cause I'll literally see one thing by someone who's doing well. And then I'll like click on their page and go down like 200 posts. Yes. All the things they're doing well and literally just judge, you know, there's a great quote that says, uh, you know, social media is their highlight reel versus yep. your behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. So I'm living my behind the scenes and I'm watching their highlight reel. First of all, if I even compared my behind the scenes to my own highlight reel, I would be impressed, you know? <laughs> but I would say that has always consistently... And you and I have talked about this in the mm-hmm. past. of like, that's where I get my lowest when I start looking over my shoulder to how someone else, I think someone else is doing mm-hmm. uh, and I get very down on myself. And instead of just looking at how far I've come personally. Mm. So how do you flip that? If you're sitting there in the spiral, you just get off or do you, what do you do? Do you go? No, I, I wish I am definitely mm-hmm. not, you know, I'm definitely not good enough to just like flick a switch like that. What I've learned, and this is true for anyone who's like dealing with, you know, Comparison issues, mm-hmm. uh, insecurities, or fear. Just everyone. <laughs> yeah, what I learned for myself is, oh wow, I'll share this. That okay, fine. Yeah, <laughs> twist my arm. You know, you know when something. No, you know when something is like you haven't ever thought it through out loud, and you're afraid of like. Oh just yeah, ninety nine percent of the things I say. <laughs> right, this is something I've literally started doing very personally in my head, like mm. for the past forty eight hours, and I don't know if this is going to make me sound like an idiot, but this is what I've been doing is for various reasons. I've been going through some family stuff and I've been feeling a lot of very intense emotions. Mm. And just like comparison, it like sort of breeds upon itself and makes me more and more upset. If I'm feeling angry, like my anger sometimes just keeps building into finding other things that I'm angry about. Mm. And it starts becoming very overwhelming um, to the point where it's all I can see. And I've started saying this I guess, mantra or whatever you want to call it in my head, which I got from somewhat another author named Thich Nhat Hanh, who's this amazing Buddhist monk. And what I'll say is, like, I'll take a big breath in and I'll say, I acknowledge my anger and I'll take a, you know, breathing in, I acknowledge my Mm -hmm. anger. I'll take a big breath in and then I'll say, breathing out, I give my anger permission. Mm. And then I'll like say it 10 times 
And all of a sudden, it just becomes... uh, It's almost like my anger is this like four-year-old kid that just wanted me to sit down with him and Mm. say, you're okay, you're feeling this for a reason. Mm. You're allowed to be angry. And what happens normally is I get angry and then I hate that I'm angry and then I become angry about other things. Then I hate that I'm angry about that and I become, and it's sort of like I fight my own anger and it just Mm -hmm. keeps like exploding into more things. But I've started giving myself permission. And what I've learned is that whether it's your fears or your insecurities or your anger or your feelings of not being enough, Mm -hmm. me trying to rid myself of these emotions exacerbates them. Mm. And it's only when I take a breath and acknowledge what I'm feeling and give myself permission. There's, you know, Thich Nhat Hanh, the same author, talks about the mental living room in your mind where. You know, normally when we feel fear, we sort of try to like banish it out to the sidewalk and say, you know, you're not welcome here. And what happens is, you know, the fear just gets stronger and bigger and knocks down the house. Mm-hmm. Whereas Thich Nhat Hanh recommends, you know, opening up the front door, pulling up a chair in the living room and inviting your fear to sit down, offering it, you know, a cup of tea. And what happens is your fear begins to relax. Mm. You know, it doesn't disappear, but it begins to relax. And only once it begins to relax... Can you take the next step? Mm-hmm. Mm. And I'm trying to start. I've gotten better at doing that with my fears and insecurities, but anger is like my new frontier. Because mm. in my childhood, I was terrified when other people were angry, when adults were angry. So I've sort of cast anger as this not welcome emotion. Mm. And now I'm trying to learn how to be mindfully angry. Mm. This is very new territory for me. Mm. This is so good because I think being mindfully angry really also translates. Oh, by the way, I have so much talking about this. This is like very new for me. Oh, this is great. Don't you love talking <laughs> through things for the first time and having I'm them like recorded? So afraid of like, you know, Lori's podcast, Alex Benayan on being an angry person. <laughs> Alex Benayan is angry. <laughs> um, God, no, that's amazing. That was, We're, we that all was feel such that an way. In my childhood, by mm. the way, like I remember my grandma saying, "Like, oh, so and so, such an angry person." And mm. like, all of a sudden, like, anger was this like thing that the kids, okay, in my family, if you were in the kid generation, if you were like a child, or if you were a woman, like my mom or my sister, not allowed to be angry. But wow. if you were um, like a father, it's like your biggest weapon. Yeah. Um, anyways, that's my own. Thing. It's really funny. I kind of grew up that way too. Like it's the the male figures were always angry, and the women were like we weren't allowed to show we were angry. Like that's just that that's my my Correct. lenses. Whether Correct. that was yeah, true women or not, have no rights to you know yeah. be angry in return, and kids have no right to be angry at their parents because they should be grateful that they're not you know that they're being fed and housed mm-hmm. and. I've really had to also kind of like adopt that same kind of idea, especially in, you know, business and also in, in personal relationships. Like it's, I actually get over it faster when I create a space to get angry and it like cycles through because anger is like a really intense energy. And if you don't give it space, it is going to come back up. So I want to ask, I want to know about the time, those things and those loops that will never be completed in the way that you want. The relationships that will 
never turn out how you want. The family members who will never be the people. <laughs> you mean my have. life? My yes, whole life. all of our lives. So what, how do we complete these loops? And I know that this piggybacks exactly on anger, but it's like what people think is they look at people's lives like, you, like all of these different successful people, they're like, you know, Alex has this book and he, he seems to have it so together. He's so calm and he's this amazing speaker and he's this awesome friend and people love him. And they have no idea that what's running in your background is these open loops of things that feel incomplete that you, that are never going to feel right to you. But how do you make them right for yourself? Right. That aren't neatly packaged yes. in their perfect place. Mm-hmm. Uh you're literally talking to like what I'm going through. You know, it's so funny. I was watching Dave Chappelle's new stand-up special on Netflix. And he's like talking about the same thing. He's like, you know, people think I have a perfect life. He's like, my life is sort of like a above ground pool. <laughs> he's like, look, it's a pool. Like, Don't get me wrong. I definitely have a pool, but. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, a part of me like couldn't. Like I got what he was saying because I can resonate with that in some ways. Mm -hmm. I'm like, even Dave Chappelle, like, come on. Mm -hmm. Like you're being modest or you're like just being self-deprecating. But I sort of get it to a degree of like things. Here, I'll give you a perfect example. Mm -hmm. The day the book came out last year in the US, it came out and I was in New York, and two days later, I got a call that my grandfather passed away. Mm. And I, of course, flew back to LA for you know the funeral and for the memorial. And then 30 days after my grandpa passed away, my grandmother passed away. Oh. And you know what I've realized is. In many ways, the third door was my quest to go and try to learn what I wanted to learn. Mm. And I think that's you know beautiful, but also life teaches you what it wants you to learn. Mm. And mm. it's almost like life or God or the universe, you know, whatever you want to call it, was like beating me over the head with this same lesson of like, look, I, I came to terms when my dad passed away a few years ago that sometimes life things come together and sometimes they fall apart. Mm. But there's almost like a neatness and like, all right, this is the phase things come together. And this is the phase, you know, this is going to be the, this is the year where things are, people are like, oh, 2019 was such a hard year. 2020 is going to be a great year. I'm like, no, that's not how it works. You know, the hardest times in life and the best times in life can literally happen in the same week. Mm -hmm. And my pursuit or obsession for things being neatly in their place um, has been beaten out of me by life. Mm. And trust me, it hasn't been fully beaten out of me because I'm still walking around hoping that so-and-so changes and loves me again, or Mm. so-and-so changes and talks to me again, or... Mm -hmm. uh, You know, part of me, when I see a success, I'm like, oh, now are they going to... Now is that person who I want to love me going to love me? Mm. Like... Man, this is, I really hope these people do not listen to this episode because they'll know exactly who they are. This we'll block is, them from it. Um, <laughs> I'm going to send you like three names. <laughs> God, I'm like sweating. Oh, I do that sometimes and I'm like, oh my God, are they going to listen to this? Oh my God. 
You know what's funny about shame is when you start getting better at, you know, you and I have similar jobs where we are in our entire careers sort of like working through our shame and being Mm -hmm. open about what we're going through and what we're learning from what we're going through. And sort of, it's like the opposite of the way, at least I was raised, which is like, you keep the bad stuff hidden and you talk about the good stuff. Right. And the more you do it, the more you do it. Mm -hmm. And but there's still parts of me, like even right now, like sharing stuff with you where it's like, oh no, there's uh, definitely a moment where, or not a, a moment, many moments where it feels like you say something and like God's finger will come down from heaven and be like, Alex Benayan, like mm-hmm. you are not supposed to say that. Mm-hmm. And that's shame. And I'm working through it. And yeah, my friend in Q, who I know you know well, always says, you know, I'm a work in progress. And that's sort of become like my mantra recently. Mm. It's helped me relax into the messiness of life. Always, always. That's so beautiful. Work in progress for sure. Like literally every single day. It doesn't matter where you're coming off of, even like your biggest moments. Sometimes those can also create the biggest works in progress because then you can be hit with something you didn't even expect or you didn't realize this new level would bring something completely different. Um, Right. Or it triggers old childhood traumas or... mm I think so many of the parts of of what you're you're going through right now, and I can I can so relate. It's crazy. I know that everybody on here is shaking their head because we're all we're all in our you know whether you're in success or whatever. Maybe it's a summer season. There is simultaneously a winter somewhere in your season. <laughs> like there's like an igloo with all the people in winter. While it's summer, like, oh my god. Summer. While it's summer, um, I know Tim's story says you know even when everything is right, there's always left, and that's been one of the biggest things that I think Mm. about, even when everything is right, there's always left, like no matter what you're doing. So that's been something really big is acceptance of that. And I think the part that you just said about, you know, feeling shame around like sharing certain things, it's really... And I want to know about how your part of this journey has gone because it's been really challenging to share my story without feeling like I'm really hurting certain people in my family and disappointing them. But I don't know how to share my journey without being honest, but also saying how important it is and how much I appreciate, you know, I feel like I always have to go back and be like, I appreciate this person. I love them. I'm so grateful for this. And I'm glad I learned this lesson and blah, blah, blah. And while that's important, it's also important to acknowledge, I think like, but yeah, that was your reality. So how do you balance like, holy crap, like how do I not offend and disappoint, but also own who I am and where I've come from? You're asking, you know, you're asking (laughs) someone, you know, how to be a good swimmer when I haven't even entered the ocean yet. Mm-hmm. At least yeah. that's how it feels. That's how it feels. I totally feel you. Mm-hmm. Um, because in many ways, here, I'll give you an example that was a bit easier. In the third door, there was this one part during my, you know, in the middle of the book, there's like my eight month quest to track down Warren Buffett. Mm-hmm. And there's one person that's a main, you know, that's a main character in that saga, the Warren Buffett saga that, Turns out to, you know, I don't want to give it away, but like turns, there's a big, essentially like plot twist and uh, where that person really betrayed me. Mm. And, you know, it's a real person. The book's a nonfiction book. It's a real person. And I didn't want to put that in the book because A, it was a really painful experience and B, 
even though the person, yes, did screw me over, I don't think he did it, you know, maliciously. And I just didn't want to like open the can of worms of like, you know, putting out, you know, negative energy in the world. And then my editor, so I didn't put it in originally. And my editor was like, look, because he knew the real story. He said, look, if you don't put that in the book, Number one, the readers will have no idea why you did all these idiotic things on the way to get to Warren Buffett. He was telling you to do them. And without explaining that part, you just look like this delusional person and you're not. You actually were just being betrayed by someone. That's number one. Number two, people need to know, especially young people who are reading this book, that for all of the amazing people who come out of nowhere, who help you achieve a dream, no matter what your dream is, there's also going to be that you know shady guy in the alley who sort of like tells you they're going to help you get in and then they end up taking your money and running, you know? And that's just sort of how life works. And instead of like sugarcoating the journey, tell people what actually happens. Mm-hmm. And I was very hesitant and it was just very painful. It was a very painful few months writing that part. And yeah, I still, you know, it's still not my favorite thing to talk about or my favorite you know, thing in the book, but it is a reality in the book. And it's been fascinating seeing the response of readers about how much people resonated from that. Because that's the part of achieving a dream that no one talks about. Mm-hmm. When you do get screwed over by someone you love, or when you, you know, do get taken advantage of in a very embarrassing way that you should have known better, all the warning signs were there and you just were too obsessed, you know, too desperate to see them. And I think it becomes even harder when it's family members or people mm-hmm. who you love who you don't want to throw them under the bus for the sake of, you know, tarnishing the family name. But also, like, the truth is no one knows the real you unless they know the real you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the real you is people who you love doing extremely hurtful things. Mm-hmm. And it's something where I'm not even ready, you know, in many ways. Um, I think it takes time. And, you know, Maya Angelou wrote, I know why the cage bird sings when she was 40 years old about her eight year old traumas. Mm -hmm. So I keep reminding myself that to tell myself I have, Mm -hmm. I have some time. Mm. Absolutely. I I think, you know, sometimes, and sometimes those may, you may never share them. You know, you might work them out with yourself. Yeah. Um, But, you know, you just, you so cued something up in my head, like, everyone has been through betrayal by a loved one or, you know, someone that they just held on a pedestal. And I don't think people talk about it a lot because of the possibility of them finding out. And the thing that betrayal has done for me though, betrayal has been the ultimate lesson and road to self-acceptance. Because mm. when someone betrays Tell me how, because I need to know this. Oh, uh, because when someone betrays yeah. you, you're left with yourself and you are left thinking if they did this to me, I must not be worthy or what's wrong with me. I must be a bad person. How can I make it right? Right. Right. I need to make it right. Oh my God. You know, and how can people not see all of these? Like you feel like there needs to be some sort of either um, retaliation or some sort of like making it right. And I will tell you like betrayal is the ultimate, like letting it be okay that mm. this person is this way and that 
you know, you are you are okay being you and just accepting fully no matter what happens mm-hmm. to you, like you're okay. And I always think of that, like you are created um, like unassailable. Like you are not able to, which means you're not able to be taken down by like another human emotionally. Uh-huh. And that's been really huge for me. So betrayal has been the most like, massive self-acceptance journey and know it like leaning into faith that they were just there for me to like know that I'm okay on my own no matter what. Oh, yes. A hundred percent. It's almost like you have to lose sometimes the people who love you the most for you to find out how much you love yourself. Uh huh. You're sort of left with just you. That's it. it. It's like you, you know, the love from you and the love from God, like Mm -hmm. how loved can you feel just by relying on your own Mm self-love as opposed to the admiration of you're this or you're that, you know? Or making it right. Like the the pain of knowing somebody out there doesn't like you and is either stirring the pot or... Especially um, someone that you've uh, given so much authority over your life. And giving them the inside window to your soul. Right. Like it can be twisted or manipulated or... Yeah, that's an interesting place when you're like, okay, even if my character is being twisted by this person, do I love myself enough to know that I'm going to be okay and this is going to turn out? Uh, it's so hard. And I think... <laughs> that actually, that's it. It's period. It's mm-hmm. so hard. And it's nice to hear that it's not just me and my sisters going through, you know, the fact that you're, you know, you feel it too. And, and it's just weird. Our society is weird in the sense of like, you know, Bill Gates and Forbes doesn't talk about this, Mm -hmm. you know, for obvious reasons. And you only might see like, you know, a self-help person or like a Buddhist nun talk about this. And you feel like, oh, these are only topics that only might be relevant to them, but it's all of us. Mm -hmm. It's all of us. I can, whenever, you know, the, I think the coolest part about, and I know that you relate to this about being on book tour is the amount of people you get to like be in a room with and hear what is like the common kind of what's going on right now. And that was such a huge theme for people is that I just find like everyone's dealing with a betrayal and it's still kind of there. It's still kind of hanging over their head or, you know, they still have something from like, 10 years ago in their family that they can't get over. So I know that you're, you know, you're definitely in things right now, but do you, are you able to compartmentalize? What's something that you kind of lean into? Do you, do you say a prayer? Do you go for walks? How do you kind of uh, deal with different things that, you know, feel that way? Um, when I get into the spiral, yeah. I like talking about the spiral because the spiral can be very intense. When I get into the spiral, a prayer that's very helpful for me, it's obviously I didn't come up with it myself, is, and it's a very famous one, it says, God, grant me the serenity, serenity to accept mm-hmm. the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Mm-hmm. So God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Mm. And the first line of that has been the big learning curve for me this past year. Mm -hmm. Accept the things I cannot change. Because I feel you and I have very similar personalities where we're like, oh, a problem, let's solve it. Solve it. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes 
the biggest thing is that I am powerless over other people. Mm-hmm. And that has been a huge, hard lesson for me to come to terms with. And not just come to terms with, actually like accept and make peace with. There's a difference between like agreeing with it intellectually and making peace with it emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's been a big learning curve for me. And especially in the line of work you and I are in, where literally our whole jobs are to try to help people. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it's the people we love the most, whether it's our family or our friends or the people we grew up with, when you realize that only can you not help them, your attempt to help them has made your own life unmanageable. Mm-hmm. It's a huge you know, life moment of coming to terms with it. So how... What do you do when you know you have to... Okay, so there's a step before this, but when you know you have to walk away or when you can't... When you made that realization, like, I can't manage this anymore. Like, how do you... Because so many people right now are in this point of they are still trying to resuscitate something or they are trying to fix it. So where's the line? How do you, right. how do, you do the boundary and how do you stick to the boundary? Right. Like for the resuscitate is a great, great way to frame it. And I definitely do that a lot. And the underlying subconscious thought that I have, I don't have a consciously, but the subconscious thought when I'm doing resuscitating type actions is if I was just more like this, Mm. then the relationship will work. Mm. Then they'll see it from my perspective. Then they'll love me. Then everything will be good. If I was just more like, never is it if they like, are like, it's always, if I was just a little bit more this or a little bit more that, a little bit more forceful, a little bit more patient, a little bit more strategic, a little bit more, you know, assertive, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. um, mm. and that's where the life becoming unmanageable gets in. Mm. So for me, I've been going to a group, it's called Al-Anon. That's been really helpful for me. Uh, but there's a lot of things, you know, a lot of different Do kinds of support. Talk through things there. If people don't know what that is, what is that? It's so Al-Anon is a group for people who are either related to or friends with a, someone with an addiction. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was originally created as like the sister group to Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm. So if like one spouse is in Alcoholics Anonymous, the other spouse is in Al-Anon. Got it. Where you learn similar lessons, but through the frame of someone else in your life has the addiction. Uh, Because what happens when someone else has an addiction who you're very close with, you create an addiction to controlling and managing their addiction. Yep. If someone is just like all over the place and just like throwing pots and pans and, you know, slurring at parties, after a few years, you become addicted to having to clean up whatever their thing is. Mm. And people have a lot of different addictions, you know? Mm -hmm. They can be addicted to drugs, to food, to anger, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Anyways, I did think, and again, this goes back to the whole thing of like, sometimes in life you get to choose your adventure Mm -hmm. and sometimes life chooses the adventure for you. And the latter sometimes seems less fun, but it also feels sometimes more important. Mm. Why do you think you're learning? And I know that we're in the middle of it. So this is what we like to do. Probably not the most awesome thing to do, but I'm interested. (laughs) Why do you think you're learning the lessons you're learning? What do you think it's for? Have you already made meaning from it yet? Or are you still in like the, the, I don't know yet. Three weeks ago and things were getting like really 
you know, turbulent. I like sort of like closed my eyes and, you know, prayed. And I asked, for me, it's God. For someone, it might be the universe. For someone else, it might be, you know, their inner voice. Mm -hmm. Whatever that higher power is for you. Science, you know, whatever. Whatever it is for you. Um, For me, I I was like, why am I going through this? Mm. And I got like an immediate answer. To see that these things are possible and that they happen. Mm. And I do feel like that is part of my, whether you want to call it fate or destiny or purpose, I'm sort of seeing humanity like play out in very different ways mm-hmm. and seeing that these things happen. Um, I was thinking about this a couple of weeks ago that like the whole reason my life is even where it is, like if I had to like, narrow it down to like one like people ask me like is it persistence is it the, you know i actually for the first time have an answer that i feel pretty confident about is mm-hmm. most people have their eyes open but they're not looking you know they're hearing but they're not really listening mm. and i think like what's made me who i am is like even when things get really hard I somehow like muster the courage to just keep looking mm. and keep watching. And many times I don't have the answers for what to do, but sure you've been in situations where like something horrendous is happening and like everyone else you're standing around just sort of like, sort of like plain faced or sort of just like shrugs it off, mm-hmm. you know, and forgets it the next week. And you're like, how, you know, even if you don't have the answer, you can't unsee what you saw. Right. And that's sort of been my whole life. It's like when I hear that voice saying, I, you know, I'm not on my path. Or if I hear a voice saying, mm. don't look away, I don't look away. And it might sound like super ambiguous, but that's sort of how, you know, I, I see it now. So when you say, you know, you, you, you look, the difference is you look and you listen with what type of questions do you do that? So if people are in their life right now and they're like in a crappy place and they're like, what do you mean? Like my eyes are open. What is the lens in which you look and listen through to extract what it is that you're trying to find? I think that's an amazing question. I think the key is to look at it without a lens. Mm which is much harder. I spent a lot of my life trying to find the right lens. Like, Mm -hmm. should I look at this from an intellectual point of view? Should I look at this from a legal point of view? Should I look at this from a, you know, moral point of view? And like, those are... I still want to apply a lens. I'm like, is it just, this just is lens or acceptance? Right, letting, so it's like letting people show you who they are. So, Mm -hmm. you know, a book that I just read that's completely changed my life is a very famous book. It's, you know, the book of... The Tao, you know, Taoism. Mm-hmm. Um, some people pronounce it Taoism. Some people pronounce it Taoism. Tao De Ching, Tao De Ching. Um, both pronunciations, I think, are okay. And, you know, it's an ancient Chinese philosophy. And towards the end, the author says, I try to only teach people three things in life. Number one is simplicity. Number two is patience. And number three is compassion. Mm. And it says simplicity because... When you live your life simply, you become one with the energy of the earth. Number two is patience. Because when you're patient with both your enemies 
and your friends, they will reveal themselves to you. Mm. And number three is compassion. Because if you can show compassion to yourself, you can heal the whole world. Mm. And it's the second one, the patience that has like really resonated with me. Because I think a lot of times like, you know, dating is a perfect example. You like meet someone and you're like infatuated with them Mm -hmm. after like a week. And then you just start like, I used to do this a lot. Just start putting all these attributes onto them. Like, oh, she's so this and so that. And it's like, dude, you've only met her like three times. But no, no, trust me. Like she's the, I've started just looking at things as the way they are. Mm. Not the way I want them to be. Not the way that makes me feel good. Yeah. What you're really doing is you're attributing traits. And that, look, it's also, I do this in work all the time. A brand that's very famous wants to, you know, do work together. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I'm like, this is the best thing that ever happened. Why? Because like, I like their product that they put out 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So I all of a sudden think like the deal that they're sending me is like going to be in good faith. Like I definitely made a lot of mistakes by projecting my, my projection of how I want things to be yes. on. And then I'm missing what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, now the difference though, is like, I'll get hit on the head and finally be like, okay, now I'll see it. Some people just get keep hitting themselves on the head so much their whole lives never actually change. Yeah. Oh my god. I I uh relate so much to the like the pouncing. It's almost like it's it's how I used to do everything. Relationships, friends, business. Oh, I like you. Like okay, now I need we need to set up like this perfect scenario of how we're going to be friends. Like I'd already <laughs> right. have it in my head. Let's plan oh. our first vacation. Let's yes, do this. Totally. And it would it it like smothers everything. Like I literally, now I'm learning like even in business, like everything can be slow and it's going to unfold for you. You don't even have to do it. Like once you've done the do to get to the place of like the meeting or whatever that looks like, like it's going to unfold before you. And I also notice how like the best things kind of like you have to just you have to be persistent, but you also have to let them be at the same time, which is a very interesting dance. Like This is maddening advice for someone who's just starting out and yeah. is like just banging on the door a hundred times, which is where I was for like most of my life. Mm-hmm. Maddening. Like I, cause I heard people say this when I was just starting out and I was just like, you're wrong. Yeah. I'm going to make it happen. And it's hard though, because okay, yeah. there's a part of me that believes you have to do the banging on the door to even get to that place of understanding that. And also like what it feels like to get that energy going and the motion going and also how important it is to be so persistent sometimes, almost to an annoying point to in order to then step back. So what I'm saying is so contradictory, but everything in life I I agree with it 100%. And it's very, what you just said is very nuanced. And what I took from it is that there's a difference between, you know, if we're looking at persistence, for example, being persistent out of fear and desperation, mm-hmm. where you're then not seeing what's happening and you're just projecting what you want and you're just banging on the door versus being persistent out of a place of like vision and love, yes. which sounds very airy, but I think you know what I'm talking about, which is like, you love what you're doing so much that you just keep at it, but you're because you're not desperate, you're actually able to judge the scenarios better and be like, okay, cool. Let me give it a break this week. Clearly, you know, he's very, you know, busy or mm-hmm. whereas when you're in fear and desperation, you're not looking at the other person in front of you. You're just going at it over and over and over again because you're terrified of failing. 
Mm-hmm. And that's when you make the biggest mistakes. That's how literally Warren Buffett blacklisted me. That's how you know Tim Ferriss you know, wanted nothing to do with me in the beginning. But life will just keep hitting you over the head with the same lesson until you listen. Oh, it's so it's it it's so beautiful because I, I've seen myself do it. <laughs> My whole fitness career started because I was persistent in pitching myself, but I also pitched myself to annoying points in the beginning. And it's like I had to learn what that dance looked like between you're a psycho, stop emailing me all about you, and start looking at different ways that you could actually help people, be an advocate, come from love, and be excited about not just yourself and what the possibility could be, but like really stepping back and looking at the way bigger picture and really bringing that person to the picture of how can you be serving this person? How could what you have be serving other people or or things that they're interested in? And that's been really huge for me. 100%. And I think you said this earlier too, you need to go through the journey to get to the place where you realize what worked and what didn't for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely don't want to knock anyone who's like on their hustle right now. Yes. Um, because your hustle will evolve if you listen to what life's trying to tell you. Mm. We've all seen people who are like literally the most like hardcore hustlers and are just, you know, banging on the door a hundred times and they've been at it for like 10 years and have seriously not made much progress. And I think the reason most people who have the skills, have the energy and are banging on the door and aren't making progress is because they're not listening to people's feedback. Is like that how you listen res- to what life has to tell you is by really like... So so for pain. someone who's the listening right pain. now... Okay. The answer is pain. Okay. Pain tells you something's wrong. It doesn't mean everything's wrong. It means something in that moment is wrong. Rejection means something is wrong. Now, it might be something you might not have control over, like that person's very busy, which is why they rejected you. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. your picture's wrong. It might just mean they're busy. But it just means something is wrong. Mm-hmm. When people do not listen, I'll go, I keep going back to that Warren Buffett scenario because it was eight months of me not listening. Mm-hmm. Buffett said no from the beginning. He said it very kindly though, and I just told myself, I'm going to keep going until he says yes. And I literally just ignored everything him and his secretary said for eight months until the, literally Bill Gates' office told me to stop, you know, <laughs> reaching out to Buffett. And if I would have listened, I would have had that interview with Buffett after Bill Gates reached out. But mm-hmm. I didn't. Again, I had to learn that lesson for me to be able to say this right now to you. Mm-hmm. But definitely the biggest lessons I've learned in my life were because of I was in so much pain that I stopped and asked myself, what is this trying to teach me? Mm -hmm. Jerry Seinfeld has a really funny quote where he says, pain is just a lot of information rushing in very fast. (laughs) Because like, you know, even in the middle of the night, like if you like stub your toe on the bedside, that's a lot of information telling you like, the bed is there, the bed is there, the bed is there. (laughs) Right? Like whenever... Or like betrayal, the pain mm-hmm. from betrayal is you in shock that the person you thought was X is actually Y. Yeah. It's a lot of past stories rushing in at once. Right? Info. Right. It's a lot of information and your brain is in pain uh-huh. because you thought... And like the longer you've known that person and thought they were one way, when they let you down, the more painful it is. If you met someone for a week and they betray you, you sort of like shrug it off. Yeah. But when it's someone you've loved for like 20 years, 
that's where you're just devastated on the floor because there's so much information rushing in all at once. That's what grief is. Your brain literally trying to process that the father you grew up with your whole life isn't there anymore. Mm. Mm-hmm. Physically. So how do you process all these stories? How do you process this information when it's rushing all oh. in, when there's so much pain there? <laughs> A lot of therapy. <laughs> hey. A lot of therapy. Um, not pushing through it. Mm. Every time I try to push through it or I try to avoid it, it gets worse. Mm. And what I've learned is that if you think of like your pain as like this well, where it's just this like deep well of pain. Mm-hmm. Normally my dance is I'll spend weeks running around the well being like, I'm not going in, I'm not going in, I'm not going in, I'm not going in. I'll try to distract myself. I'll try to, ar- I'll try to logically always try to argue why I shouldn't be upset. And then finally, it just gets so overwhelming that I go in and then I just like somehow like I just go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into the pain. And then I start crying and then I start journaling about it. And then I like literally spend all day in a dark place and I go deeper and deeper and deeper looking at what's causing me the pain. Mm-hmm. And then like a miracle, I get up and I just walk away completely light again. Mm-hmm. And what I've realized is that at the bottom of the well of pain is a reservoir of relief. Mm. It's the reservoir of relief, but it's at the bottom of mm. the well. Mm. It's not in the middle. It's not at the top. It's at the bottom of the well. And I think so many people spend their whole lives running around the well, trying to avoid pain at all costs. You know, that's where addictions come from, literally, because it's too hard to go into that well of pain. So they'll find other avenues to distract themselves. Um, I think people get scared they're going to get stuck in the well. I think that... Of course. So, of course. Because they're like, there's no bottom to this because I can't fix it and I can't replace it and they can't see the why. So how do you reach the reservoir? Uh, it takes faith. Mm. Faith that it happened for you or faith that it's going to be better or faith, faith ab- around what? Faith in your own abilities. Mm. That you will be able to stand on your own two feet. And I have gotten more courageous the past few years as my faith and my abilities have mm. gotten stronger. You know, when I was starting out, I definitely didn't do this on a daily basis, you know, yeah. sit down and look at my pain and my fears. Yeah. Super fun. Right. No, not <laughs> exactly. And I think something that helps people, and it doesn't matter what stage of their career or their life they're in, reminding yourself of extremely hard times you've been through mm-hmm. and reminding yourself the story of how you eventually were able to stand back up on your own two feet again, starts slowly reinforcing a positive story in your mind, a realistic story that you are capable. You're not a helpless child anymore. You are an adult. You do have skills to heal yourself. Your body is resilient. And reminding yourself that helps you muster just enough courage to sit down and look at what's actually hurting you. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, I could talk to you all day. I'm wondering if you have any thoughts right now just for 
Um, you know, because I, I know everybody who listened to this extracted um, some serious wisdom and that everybody who listened to this absolutely resonates. By the way, I love, this is like the most like typical like me and you <laughs> conversation because we're like, let's talk about, you know, the world tour. And then we're like going into like the deepest, most painful parts <laughs> of our lives. It's really, I don't know why it's because it's easy with you. So I'm just like, all right, well, we you, went to the deep, the deepest pain well of all times. And now we're coming up. So we, here we are. And I'm, oh, I'm thank very, you. I'm very grateful. Oh, I'm so grateful. These are my favorite conversations because I learn and grow so much from them. So thank you for being so just like vulnerable and authentic about where you're at right now. And I think that has, I think people sharing where they're at right now while they are also in success is some of the most important things we can do because that's always the journey. It's always, yeah. always the journey. There's always going to be something while you're going towards everything you want to be going towards. That's the human experience. So um, you shared it so beautifully today. And I'm wondering if there's anything on your heart, closing thoughts for the people who are listening because they are, we're all right there with you right now. Yeah, what I'll say is, and you and I talked about this earlier, which is that the first podcast we did, what was so beautiful about it was seeing how, and I guess it's just a testament to what you do, which is you share yourself on this podcast and the people listening, like it gives them permission to be vulnerable and courageous too. Mm. And yeah. I think, you know, that's why I was so excited again to do this again with you, in addition to, you know, loving you is that whoever is listening to this right now, and if you're listening to this, I am talking to you. The biggest gift you can give yourself is permission to try. Mm. Whether it's trying for a new job, trying to start a new business, trying to start a new relationship, or even giving yourself permission to try to look within yourself to the parts of yourself you've been too afraid. Mm. You will be surprised by how capable you are. Mm. But you'll never know until you give yourself permission to try. Mm. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so grateful for you. I'm grateful for our friendship. You guys, Chris and I got to go on an amazing beach walk with him. He was like, seriously, there's nothing that drops you in like the ocean, literally. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm so like, I love watching everything that you're doing and you're just really out there making your dreams happen. You just let me know that the your book was number one in all of Japan. Was that last <laughs> yeah. week? That was last week. It just happened. Yeah. That is so amazing. I'm so incredibly happy for you. <laughs> so where can we find you, follow you? And if you don't have his book yet, it is an incredible book. Definitely go and get it. It's called The Third Door. And where else can we follow you? First of all, thank you. And yeah, the book is everywhere. People like to buy books. So whether that's Amazon or Barnes & Noble or Audible, I read the audiobook myself. So that was really fun. That's a journey. <laughs> yeah, that was a whole thing. Uh, and if you do end up getting the book after listening to this, let me know because I want to just say thank you. So on Instagram, mm -hmm. it's just at Alex Benayan. And on Twitter and Facebook, it's also at Alex Benayan. And I'm just super grateful and Hopefully we can do a round three next time. Yeah, I can't wait. There's always there's always more.
there? <laughs> There's always more. So you guys, there if you loved more. this podcast as much as I did, or if you know somebody who really needs this topic that we talked about right now mm. on really how yeah. you deal with things that you cannot change really seems to be the theme that's come through. Make sure yeah. you text it with a friend. We'd love to hear your takeaways. So tag us, share it on social. And until next time, earn your happy. Bye, everyone. Thank you guys so much for spending this time with me on the Earn Your Happy podcast. I am so glad that you stopped by. If you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would love it, that would be absolutely amazing and we would be forever grateful. Also, please leave us a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving us an honest thought, an honest comment. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear more more of. It would really help us out on our journey to helping thousands and thousands of people. Until then, don't forget to earn your happy. Thanks again, guys. Bye-bye. Want to know a huge secret to my success? Okay, not only my success, but just about every single person that I have interviewed on this podcast who is successful has this in common. You guys, they love to journal. They capture their life lessons and what they're grateful for. But a lot of people don't keep this up consistently. And most people do know that the research shows that journaling deepens your gratitude and increases self-awareness. But did you also know that journaling decreases stress and helps you achieve your goals faster? In fact, journaling is a huge differentiator between average performers at work and high-performing people. It leads to longer-term clarity, confidence, and success. So why don't more people journal? Why didn't I journal consistently? Honestly, they don't like staring at a blank page. It's hard to carry a book around with you or a notepad, and they just don't even know what to write about, or they just forget. That's why I know that you're going to love Growth Day. It's the world's number one system for self-improvement, and it's like all-in-one personal development in an app. And it has an awesome digital journal, and people love it. Growth Day's digital journal has hundreds of research-backed writing prompts for self-reflection, positive mindset, confidence building, and success. I use them all the time, and it makes me think in ways that I typically don't, and it makes me ask myself better questions, which we all know gets better results in our life. It even has prompts that help you develop a daily, weekly, or monthly habit of reflecting on your life and identifying areas to grow. So it's a perfect time of year to start journaling, you guys. When you sign up at Growth Day, you also get systems for habit tracking, goal setting, and scoring and improving every area of your life. Best of all, I get to teach there too, you guys. I'm so excited. I hope that I get to see you. I teach live in Growth Day every single month with a new topic just for you. So join me there. Start your free trial at growthdate.com slash Lori. Hey, do you know what the big secret is this year? And it shouldn't be a secret because this should be your biggest focus. It is building your community. I am always working on building and nurturing my community and everyone is talking about the power of community without an online community you just cannot grow organically or create a real movement which is what i know that we're all after and you can build trust 
or monetize your audience. When you get community right, not only does your audience grow faster, but so do your sales. But where's everybody gonna be managing their communities these days? And a lot of online entrepreneurs and thought leaders are turning to circle.so. Circle is an all-in-one community platform. It lets you host content and create discussions, live streams, group chats, and memberships all under your own brand. And what's so cool about Circle.so is that you don't even need a website or Facebook group. Instead, Circle lets you build your own community site where you can host content and manage your members. You can even create locked and unlocked content spaces, groups, and classes. How freaking cool is that? You can put your content behind a paywall too, and you can charge different amounts of money for different spaces on your community site. Circle.so is famously easy to use, and it has a free 14-day trial for you, so you can go check it out, see if you like it, see if you love all the options. Just go to circle.so. Go check it out right now, you guys. Imagine being able to manage your community, start group chats and live classes, and accept payments all in one place. Kind of mind-blowing since this is usually spread all over the place. You have to log into so many different things. If this is the year to capture, organize, and monetize your community, head over to circle.so. You can get a free trial and start building your online community right now. Just go to circle.so. You guys, you get the 14-day free trial. So just go and see if it's for you. It's going to streamline everything and make your life so much easier. It's so freaking cool. Hey all, I'm so excited to share with you, Earn Your Happy is now part of Growth Day Podcast Network. A bunch of us are coming together to bring more growth to the world and support shows and brands that we truly believe in. And one of my friends is also on the network and I'd love for you to go subscribe to his show. You guys, Trent Shelton has the most incredible podcast. It's called Straight Up with Trent Shelton. And it's going to remind you that you are built for this. I have heard Trent speak in person multiple times. I've listened to his podcast a ton. He's coming on the show and I literally cannot wait because this man just spits straight fire. It is like truth that goes to your core and makes you take action right away. If you want one of those podcasts that when you're just out on a walk, you can't help but want to start running and run through a wall in your life, this is the show to go listen to. So you guys make sure that you go subscribe to the show straight up with Trent Shelton. You're going to love it.